Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. slight millennial pause, but we are here to welcome you to the Helping Friendly Podcast on this Monday, August 8th, 2022, to recap the third night of Fish's Atlantic City Run, but also to look at the Atlantic City Run as a whole complete piece, because it's one of those runs where I feel like you can do it. It's our first three-night run of the summer tour. Megan was there. We're going to have an excellent guest who's going to join us here, Mr. Brian Weinstein, the host of the incredible, and I don't say incredible lightly, it's an incredible podcast, Attendance Bias. You can see it on the screen here. Follow Brian at Attendance Bias. We will talk about that podcast as well as music, 
podcasting about podcasts. What a concept. But we'll talk about music. We will dive deep into this. It's going to be a jam-packed episode of the Helping Friendly Podcast as we move into another phase of Fish's summer tour. Before we do that, they're on my screen. They haven't said a word in a minute and 13 seconds because I've been talking. I've got Megan. I've got Jonathan. How are you guys doing here today? I'm great. I'm tired, but I'm really, really great. I'm still riding the high. Holding the door for you to speak. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm great. I mean, I just, I've had like very little sleep this weekend, maybe like 12 hours all, all three nights, but I've had an absolute blast this weekend. So I'm still happy. Sign of a good weekend. Yeah. It this is. is why I wanted her to go first because I'm just ordinary. <laughs> um, There's nothing ordinary about you, Jonathan. I just nothing. I watched some fish concerts, like parts and almost all of some fish concerts this weekend from my house and um, played some bass guitar and some electric guitar and it's hot outside and the fish band is really good right now. I can confirm that. My updates. I have a question for you guys. Do you think that it's boring to talk about fish when they're playing really, really well? Depends on what you say. It's a fair point. Nailed it. It's a fair point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, not for me. I love talking about them when they're good. It's when they're bad that I feel like strange talking about them. I guess I just like, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into this. It's, it's just like, I feel like, Jonathan's and my text this weekend while you and RJ were at the shows were less like deep dives and more just like, wow, that was really, really good. Oh, that was <laughs> really, really good. Oh man, or that during, was really, really during good. During the jams when we just sent like uh, gifts of people rocketing into space and aliens dancing. I bet those were fun to look yeah. at later, Megan. <laughs> we had a good gift game pull, during yeah. jams. You really did. It was the best to pull it up to at set break. Because I don't look at my phone while the show's going on. So I'd pull up at set break and I'd have to try to figure out what song you were talking about when you were like, wow, <laughs> that peak was great. And I'm like, shit, which one, guys? You got to like label <sighs> these things for me. You got to be in the moment, man. <laughs> yeah. You got to scroll sideways to see the timestamps. And- <laughs> it's just like a lot of cross-referencing, you know? I don't know if I was ready for that at set break. It was, we were in a good flow state because everyone kind of built off the other, but then one person would change a little bit. I mean, we're talking gift game right now in private text threads. So I'm sorry to everyone out there for the incredibly (laughs) boring content right now, but it was fun for me. Really made the Sigma Oasis jam and part of the second set on Friday, something, something really meaningful. But, um, you know, it's, it's wild. I'm about to, I'm taking the touring baton from you, Megan. You've been seeing so many fish shows here. I'm about to see. I'm going to see seven fish shows in a row, three nights at Alpine, four nights at Dick's. Um, by the end of this, I'm going to be ready for like a break myself. Um, but I'm thinking about two things. One, I need to set my phone notification to like off, like off notifications during the shows, because I just know that you guys are all going to be going back and forth the way that we were going back and forth and then turn it on at set break. And two, I'm trying to figure out, can I actually get a good night's sleep and have the most fun possible this week? And we're going to test that. 
We're going to test that hypothesis. I don't think that one of those is going to fail. I will say for, if you don't have HF pod events all day, both days, you'll yeah. do better than you did. That's a fair point. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the, uh, the first thing you can achieve by going into focus. If you're as an iPhone user, go to the focus and set up a custom focus for a show that allows you to only hear from the people you need to hear from. So whoever you're mm. at the show with or whatever, and nothing else because all that stuff will still arrive in your phone you can go look at it later uh but then we then it won't show up on your screen so if you do pull it out to see the time you won't see all the other stuff that you don't want to see it's probably what i need to do do that this is a good one for the rest if you're doing it right probably not getting enough rest probably Brian, <laughs> you can sleep when you're dead. Like this is this fish is tour. Point. You only get this one summer point. tour. I'm seeing some very, very this close year. friends uh, this this year. I'm seeing some very close friends uh, staying in a hotel with some very cool people. Uh, a, a a holiday in express, if you will. So um, I'm not a fish fan. I just stayed at a holiday in express last night. It's going to be my line all weekend, and people are going to be like, "Get the hell out of here with your dad jokes." But we're going to move on from that. We're going to tell you before we jump into the show here, we have a couple bits of business to get through. Our good friends at Passion House Coffee are the sponsors for HF Pod on tour. Here at Osiris, we're powered by a few things. Music. Megan is so powered by music right now at this point in her life, but she's also powered by coffee because she needs coffee to survive. We're always drinking Passion House Coffee here at Osiris Media. I'm actually drinking some right now because we have our own blend, the Ocean of Osiris. Please visit passionhousecoffee.com. You can see it on your screen if you're watching or you could do this if you're listening at home and use the code Osiris, O-S-I-R-I-S for free shipping on every order. And as you probably know, we have been running a contest all summer long and we will continue to, even though fish is moving away from the beach, we, we are going to still talk with them and still listen to their ocean songs, the love of ocean songs that they play. Whenever they play an ocean song, tag at Osiris Pod plus at Passion House Coffee on Twitter. Use hashtag Ocean of Osiris. We will pick two winners at random each show. And since we have not done an episode since Thursday's recap, we did a Friday mid-tour recap. Thursday we did our uh, Pine Knob episode. Since we did not do anything this week and we have a bunch of winners that we want to celebrate. We got at Darth Myers. At Dog Run 12, at Hoffam, who won twice. You can enter as many times as you want, and you can win multiple what? times. Won twice. And friend of the pod, very, very good friend of the pod, Mr. Kevin Hogan at Radiator 9987. All nice. of them have Passion House coffee coming their way. And congratulations. Congratulations. Jonathan, what happens if Fish plays Sea and Sand? Well, they get the grand prize. Well, assuming you text the things, right? You have to tweet at Osiris Pod and at Passion House Coffee, and you use the hashtag Ocean of Osiris, and they do it for Sea and Sand, then you win the grand prize, which is a coffee over Zoom with Tom Marshall and RJB. Which uh, cool thing. this guy's a pretty cool hang. So I mentioned that's pretty good. I, we already gave away one grand prize this this tour, right? 
Yeah, they played uh, Gula Papyrus, which is where the Ocean of Osiris line comes from. But then we decided, you know what? There's got to be another Ocean song that... Keep it going. If they play it, it's going to be a big deal. And that's Sea and Sand. So let's all... Let's all hope... Let's all make it happen. Let's all make Sea and Sand. Let's manifest. That's the exact word I was looking for. This is why we work together. We have to manifest CN Sam because it would be an incredible moment. And I just hope it happens deep in set two on the second night of Dicks with Jonathan standing right to my right, just losing his mind. And then they go do into you Albuquerque. really want to see me cry? I do. do you really want to see oh, me like I ugly do. cry? I just want to give you a big hug and be like, dude, they're doing it. You're here. That's what I want. Aww. That's what I want. That's That'd what I want. Right. Yeah, be good. Um, so, Passion House, we love you. Thank you so much for everything that you guys do for Osiris. And, you know, shout out EV Dude. Need an IV of Passion House after this weekend. What a time. We okay. get that. Totally. Rich coffee gets me through fish runs. We, we get that as well. Um, we also want to tell you really quickly, we have three more very quick things that we need to tell you all about. First of which is this Thursday – I will be in Milwaukee with our good friend RJB to host an evening of live music and conversation with the man Riley Walker, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, made my favorite record of 2021. Awesome, awesome dude. We're going to be doing an interview with him live on stage, plus he's going to play a show at the Cooperage in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, The Cooperage also acts as a kind of base for if you're in Milwaukee for the Fish shows. Um, you can go from there, do shuttles from the Cooperage out to Alpine Valley and back. You don't have to worry about driving out through the farmland. Really, really cool stuff. Awesome, awesome venue. Um, this show and this podcast is brought to you by 88.9 Radio Milwaukee, which is found on the dial at 88.9 FM. Radio Milwaukee helps its listeners discover new music across genres through its two unique radio channels, 88.9 and Hyphen. 88.9 is an alternative station playing all kinds of music. Hyphen is one of the first urban alternative stations in the country focused on playing all types of black music. Throughout its 15 years on the air, Radio Milwaukee stations have been the first in the country to play artists like Lizzo, Alabama Shakes, James Vincent McMarrow, Valerie June, and more. Both stations add just released music every week and have a gender-balanced playlist and amplify Milwaukee-based artists. You can listen online at RadioMilwaukee.org or through the Radio Milwaukee mobile application. And finally, I just got an update on this. Tickets are going fast. So buy your tickets if you're going to be out here in Denver on Wednesday, August 31st for an evening of music and conversation featuring Taper's Choice. It's our night zero event right before Dick's. Low-key, fun, awesome, jam-heavy concert experience. Jonathan and myself, you see him on the screen. We will be interviewing the dudes from Taper's Choice, diving into their inspirations, some of their best shows that they've played thus far this year, where they're going with their jamming, where they see the songwriting, so much that we're going to cover. Um, We'll probably be asking you all for questions as well because we want to hear what you guys think. And then TC, Taper's Choice, will be playing a show at the Larimer Lounge. Get your tickets for that at osirispod.com slash Denver. And then finally, before we bring on Mr. Weinstein, who's waiting patiently backstage, as I keep saying, one more thing, one more thing. Hot off the presses. We got new HF Pod shirts. The Helping Friendly T-shirt. Go to osirispod.com 
HighlineMerch.com and you can pre-order your Osiris Pod shirt. What does it look like? Well, you got to go to the link to check it out. It's pretty cool though. They're very if cool. You, if you know our new logo, it's got a lot to do with our new logo. It's got a really cool HF Pod written in that cool Miami Art Deco type of style across the front and then our fish on the back. It's very cool charcoal gray, super comfortable fit. We're going to be wearing those uh, on the Dick's lot. So go and pre-order those. All sizes available. Um, shipping should be coming here soon. We'll give you updates on uh, uh, information around that um, as soon as we have it. But go ahead, pre-order it. Good way to support the show and show off that you love the new look of HF Pod. Plus what we do, you know, all that sort of stuff. So anything else we need to say or should we bring on our bud? Let's bring him on. Seems like plenty. <laughs> Seems like plenty. Seems yeah. like plenty. Mr. Brian Weinstein, welcome Hello. to the podcast. How are you, man? Thank you. I'm doing very well. How are you? Doing, doing excellent. Doing hey, Brian. It's good to see I'm, you I'm again. awake at least. Good to see you too. I am in about the same amount of space as Megan is. I think I got a little bit more sleep, but it feels like I just kind of re-entered from the multiverse, kind of re-entered life from three days in the other universe or the other multiverse where real life doesn't exist and all we do is have fun. Oh, I, um, so I, I get my hair cut on Friday and I was talking to my, uh, my, my stylist, I don't know what you call her. Uh, the woman who cuts my hair what, just got back from Electric Forest like three weeks prior and she was talking about how she was, she was like, I don't know if this is going to make sense, but like I feel like I got back from another dimension. And I was like, I go see fish runs. I get what you mean. Like I'm in normal life right now, but in like I know exactly a week, <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> I was like, in about a week, I'm going to be in total like, you know, just fantasy world. So uh, I understand it's, it's, it's a challenge to get back into reality. It was a challenge to get through Brooklyn to get home too. <laughs> yeah, it was an early morning to get home in time to do the pod. That's for sure. Well, we appreciate you guys all being here, and Brian, thank you so much for for making yourself available. Um, let's dive into it. So we, well, I guess before we do that, I do want to give you a moment, Brian. We've Megan and I have both been on your show, Attendance Bias. Uh, your show. I'm going to try to describe it and I want you to tell me what I got right or wrong and and take it from there. But as 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 I as I've listened to it for a number of years now, you have this really cool approach where you admit the idea that being at a show oftentimes makes that show mean more than just listening to that concert. And so you bring people on to talk about really significant things that happen to them at a specific show, dive into the show, give them an opportunity to share, like, why does this show actually mean so much to you? For a lot of people, it shows that like not a lot of people in the larger community really relish. For other people, it shows that like have a huge impact, but like it means more for a variety of reasons. So I went on about a year ago and talked about 123016, one of the most meaningful events of my entire life. Megan was on there to talk 72197. Did I get that right? Is there anything that I missed there, Brian? Yeah, no, you sold it better than I could. Uh, Jonathan, I got my uh, eyes set on you for after this, I want you to come on just as well. Uh, but All yeah, right. it's basically the, the elevator pitch is an opportunity for fans to tell a story about a meaningful show. 
that's like the one sentence summary. And yeah, uh, we indulge in nostalgia. It's pretty shameless, uh, but I say that with ownership and a smile. Uh, Fish changes our lives for a million different reasons, and it could be an entire show, the guest picks, or in some cases, it could be a set, or it could be one song and performance, or it could be uh, just an encore. I forget exactly who it was, but someone picked the Dick's Thank You encore. And we didn't. We talked a little bit about the preceding show, but the focus was the uh, the encore itself. So it could be a segment of music or the whole show. And I just want people to tell their story. I pretty much want to build up. If you've ever read The Giver when you were in middle school, kind of like the collective memory of the fish experience through individual mm. stories. I love that. Such oh, a that's way really to cool. It. I love that. So check out Attendance Bias. You can follow you can follow Brian on Twitter at Attendance Bias, and that is where you will see a lot of links for his show. But you can download it, follow it on all major streaming platforms. Uh, so check check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, let's dive in to this show, and I want to approach this from a run standpoint because. None of us have gotten together to talk about what this run meant. And we'll, we'll get mm-hmm. to Sunday. We'll talk about Sunday. But let's start quickly with the vibe of the overall run. What was this run like on the ground? And this segment is brought to us by our friends at Section 119. They're the premier apparel brand where many fish fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. Their sophisticated designs, epic quality. Section 119 offers donut-inspired button-down shirts, board shorts, dry-fit polos, and hoodies, among many more awesome clothing types. You can use the code you see on your screen here, SUMMER22, for 20% off at Section 119. So, Brian, starting with you, what was the vibe of this run like for you throughout the entire weekend? It's cliche, but it did feel like a family reunion. Uh, It felt like a festival in some ways. And I had the thought on Friday night that I thought it was pretty funny and ironic that the festival template that Fish helped build professionally toward the wider music industry in the mid and late 90s has now been set up in a way where they don't have to do anything except show up like this sort of this sort of template on like a big 50,000 or 25,000 person capacity show on the beach lined with bars and merch stands and food trucks and all that, that you could find at the great went or lemon wheel is now available to any artist. And now they're coming back to it. It's come full circle and it is much more accessible than most of their festivals in terms of location. But it had that vibe where people you hadn't seen all year, or I hadn't been to any shows at all this summer. I was kind of busy front loaded uh, my summer getting married so i uh congrats thanks but i was detached from the fish experience for maybe the first time in 26 years so getting back to it it really felt like a big homecoming for a lot of people and it also felt like everyone i spoke to had already been to shows this summer because the northeast has been so saturated uh but everyone kept talking about highlights and highlights and highlights from all these different places up and down the east coast and it seemed to coalesce here both on a social level and a musical level. It was wonderful. I hope they do it again next year. I love your comment about the festival thing, because as anybody yeah. watching from home knows, <laughs> during set break, they uh, on Live Fish, they focus the camera on the Ferris wheel. I don't know where that was rel- relative to the actual concert, but we all saw the Ferris wheel, and that just made me think about those festivals with the lights going around it's got to be it's got to be a ferris wheel if there's the festival yeah. it's got to be there exactly 
it's a really interesting logistical point because, you know, people have be, keep asking, like, when is the next festival going to be? Obviously, there was a festival that was supposed to happen that didn't happen. We will not say its name. Um, it, it feels like I, was the first of these Bader Field in 2012 where they kind of they, they started doing these three night runs in places like Bader Field. Um, uh, in Randall's Island in 2014. Randall's Island. Thank you. Um, that was fun. I like that venue a lot. I feel like Northerly had an idea of doing something, being something like this, but not quite. Uh, Northerly was kind of like this. Um, it yeah. was, yeah, it was, it was an open, big, huge space. Like the, the stage looked like a festival stage for fish. Um, it just, it seems like the point of like the infrastructure is now there within the music industry that fish doesn't have to do it to themselves rather than putting all of their resources into an end of tour festival or a mid tour festival, whenever they decide to do it, they now have this ability to just like show up in Atlantic city on the beach or show up in Mexico on the beach or Randall's Island or wherever it may be. And basically be like, here's a three night run. It's an escape for everyone out there. And it also feels in a sense like a festival. Do you guys, do you guys, I mean, that's, that's a cool thing, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is. Awesome. Yeah, it really felt like that. It felt, I think people are just really pumped up about this tour too in general. And like you said, Brian, with so many people having been to a lot of these shows, showing up for this kind of the last East Coast hurrah was really celebratory and felt, yeah, it felt really exciting. I think expectations continue to be so high for this band and they just keep meeting them. And that just gets people even more riled up. Sorry, Reba's riled up too. Reba's route. She's mad that there was not a Reba. She's like, come on, there should have been a Reba at this point. So many, so many good repeats. Why didn't we get a Reba? Um, Brian, last question about the vibe. Did you find that it changed throughout the weekend or did it kind of sustain that festival glow of by like Sunday night? Everyone was just like, I, I could do this another night. I could do this another night type of thing. Well, I do think everyone could have done it another night, but the Sunday night, personally kind of felt like a new year's day show of the new year's run where it's, I hate to use this word, but it's almost like out of a sense of obligation when you're going through security, it's like, we're so tired. Everyone's been up till three in the morning, but there's another show tonight. There were definitely fewer people there. The population changed. The Mm -hmm. capacity changed from night to night. Friday was out probably about a a half full or two thirds full. Saturday was Everyone who was going to be there was there. And Sunday was very laid back in the audience as I'm thinking mostly as walking in, because once the lights go down and the music starts, the vibe is always the same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people there on Saturday, maybe that were at their first show where like people had brought people It had more of like, there was more, a little bit more talking during the show, you know, that kind of a thing, people explaining things to people. So definitely had a different feeling on Saturday. It's interesting because I, I feel like that's another both good and, you know, an interesting aspect of these like faux festival setups where I, I remember at Randall's, I only went one night to Randall's. I could only make that work. But like for Magnaball, I went all three nights and everybody that I saw at Magnaball was there all three nights, either camping or kind of like me staying off site and coming in for each show. Um, these shows, they kind of allow you the opportunity for the the vibe to change a little bit and it not to necessarily feel like one cohesive uh, group of people there. Um, let's dive into the music. And we said we wanted to go through Friday and Saturday briefly before we get to Sunday here. 
there's obviously a lot to be said. Um, I'll come out and say it just because I've already hinted at it, um, both offline and here. I don't want to get in any sort of numbers. Like I don't want to get any sort of ranking system here. That's thanks to my friendship with Jonathan Hart. Um, because, because I don't have a number at this point in time, but I think it is very, I don't think it's absurd to say this. I think Friday night, the August 5th, second set was one of the great second sets in fish history. I don't know where to assign a number. I don't know if that's top 50, top 100, top 200. I mean, there's been a lot of sets. You know, if you get into like the top 300, it's a really, really good group of sets to be in. But that set had everything that I could ever want. It had unexpected song placements, total flow, lots of deep jamming. Uh, You get a down with disease reprise, ghost that jams in a really bizarre way an amazing Harry hood that went type two, but then came back and had this glorious ending to it. I think it's one of the greatest second sets the band has ever played without assigning a number to it. Am I crazy for saying that? Did you guys come away with a similar sensation? I, I, I want to say this and then we're going to let these people who were there really go off. Cause I'm going to be short. I think you're not crazy. I think it's a great set. I would also go so far as to say that if you start your tape at sand, it's perfect mm-hmm. show. And I would agree. Yeah. Not knocking chalk dust and Wilson. I just feel like there was a little uh, dialing in energy on those two. They both felt like abruptly short to me at home. Probably were outstanding on the on the sand. You guys tell us a lot of here. yeah, like a fun, super fun way to open that Friday show with chalk dust and Wilson. But then the sand was so serene and stunning, and just set it off into this. It was clear that they were going to be listening to each other really intently, playing really creatively and doing a lot of jamming in this run. And that it was just right evident right in that sand. And yeah, that second set was a complete journey for me. It was that kind of set where you just are lost the whole time, just riding the wave and just completely immersed. And you don't even know kind of what songs are when because you're just in one long jam with just the songs as like touchstones. I also feel like the encore was amazing. That free was just spectacular it's really the jam at the end of that free is incredible it felt like they didn't want to leave the stage as far as the second set being one of the best sets ever played i agree with jonathan that you're not crazy for saying that brian but before i would make a statement like that a lot of the sets that i would call one of the best sets ever i've listened to over and over and over again and they have to seep into my bones and I just haven't had enough time because I was so it's been a, it's been a really busy weekend in the best way possible. That said, Friday was my favorite show of the weekend. Uh, My favorite, my favorite part of it was either ghost because it it reminded me they're not afraid to get weird still. And ghost was really weird. And there were times where fish didn't seem so weird in certain years uh, fairly recently. And I liked it that they could still step into the unknown, not know how they're going to get back and do it anyway. And also Harry Hood, which in my experience, especially in the 3.0 or 4.0 era, uh, hasn't surprised me as much. I kind of know what's coming during Harry Hood. Usually it's 10 minutes or 12 minutes. They do their kind of spacey or uh, giddy jam in the middle. But this Harry Hood, and I have to re-listen to it, The way I described it to Megan in person, it was like when you go on a vacation with your significant other that you've been with for years and you fall in love all over again. Like Mm. you find something about this person who you know really well, but you find out something new 
that maybe you didn't know before. You see them do something in a different setting and it surprises you and it makes you fall in love with them a little bit more. I haven't felt that way about Harry Hood in years and years, but this version brought me back there. So for attendance bias and sentimental reasons, I love Harry Hood. For music, it's uh, it's the ghost. But for Hood too, that intro was like, it was really special. It was really they were doing a lot of those cool, like, synthy, spacey kind of dystopian effects. And it just, you're right, it made it seem all new. And that Sigma Oasis jam from that show yeah. is absolutely spectacular. And the Ruby Waves. <laughs> and the Ruby Waves that just raged. Deliver. It, really? I feel like every really great fish show has a moment like the Sigma Oasis where you're kind of – you're going along. It's a good, fun show, good song selection, but you're not like, you haven't lost your mind at this point. And then the band does something where you're like, oh, you guys are on a very, very different level than just playing songs, playing them well. Like you guys are trying to explore something completely new. And that Sigma Oasis was going in such a cool direction. And around 15, 16 minutes, Trey just goes into hyperdrive. And from there through the end of free i don't think that they made a mistake from a song standpoint i don't think that they made a mistake from a musical like everything it was just one of those shows where as i was taking it in as I, as i've listened back to it um it just felt both intentional and free and open to the moment and whatever's going to happen we're going to accept it which is why you get that really cool harry hood intro where they're not trey's not fidgeting with his rig and saying, I got to get back to this sound before we go into Hood. He's allowing the sounds of ghosts to bleed into Hood in a really cool way. There's ideally a point in every fish show where if you're at the show, you turn to your friend or neighbor or whomever and you give them one of these, you know, which for those listening at home, totally. is <laughs> holy shit look. And um, this show has a lot of those moments. Yes. Which is, I mm. think, what we're all looking for. Yeah. I mean, sure. people were losing it, losing it. I mean, I was in like a really intense dance party madness group all weekend. And it was. I feel like that's the only place that you end up in at fish shows. I feel <laughs> like you, there's no way you're like in the section of people who are just like standing with their arms crossed, like kind of into it. Like everyone around you is just like losing their mind and grooving. Well, yeah, because I'm losing my mind and grooving. So, yeah, we find each other, those people, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, it was so intense. And I had this awesome guy behind me all weekend. We we all were in the same spot all weekend. And he kept just doing things like, wow, wow, yes, like all weekend. It was just so great. I was like, this guy is having – at one point he just exclaimed, I am having so much fun. It was like just that vibe. It was just – I felt like people people were just losing it. It was It was really exciting to be there. I love it. I love it. Um, let's jump to Saturday so that we can do a quick recap here of, of night two. Um, this show to me, and I want to hear you guys thoughts for being there. This, I think this is one of those shows that is only a prisoner of the moment. I think this is an incredibly good fish show with incredibly good moments, incredibly good song selection, really good jamming. Uh, in particular, I loved uh, the second set, I thought that the jamming in No Man and No Man's Land and Tweezer was stunning. I thought Simple was incredible. But I've seen a bit of 
negativity around the final three songs, getting the number line, Golgi and Slave. What a shock. Personally, no shock there. Yeah, Personally, like, really? I thought it was really, really cool that they came out of such darkness into number line. That's one of my favorite moves that the band can go to. It's, it's that move. total darkness to light. Um, Golgi Apparatus is now a song that you need to see live because whatever Trey is doing in the, the the quiet segment of the song, it just adds something to it. And the way that they hit the final, him and Fish lined up for the final drum beat, the final cymbal that went right into Slave. It just, it all felt very fluid. It felt excellent to me. Um, set one had some really cool jamming as well in Jin and Character Zero. But to me, the show, were it played on Friday rather than Saturday, I think it's looked at in a slightly different light. It's just coming after a really, really great show. Did you guys being there have the same impression or did you see it differently than how I'm reading it? I kind of thought that night too was uh, not a, a shadow of night one, but like the same main components, but a little less so and a little less consistent in terms of totally. space jamming, but it was there. Uh, there were two things I noticed because just because the way I listen and I do try to throw myself over into a show in the moment, but I can't help but get analytical in the moment at the same time. And totally. since I hadn't heard a lot of the tour, almost none of it leading up to these three, two things I noticed, especially number one, Trey must be intentionally doing something with his vocals. Have you talked about that yeah. on the podcast? Yeah. So I don't want to repeat really, it if yeah. you have. Okay. No, no, no. Go on. Go on. Get into it. No, it's it just yeah. it's I don't know. I don't have a good musical vocabulary, so I don't know if he's trying to sing octaves higher or singing in a different key than he's used to. But it's very noticeable. And 99 percent of the time it's successful. And I noticed it a lot during night two. Also, a, a very um, common thread, it seems, throughout this tour is the jams in unexpected places like leaves at Jones Beach for example. And here, like you mentioned, Brian character zero had a really nice jam in it, a really good one. Uh, and it, it also seems like they took the joke from the jam out night or the jam filled night of the Baker's dozen, where not only did they play a lot of jams, but it was in lawn boy and sample in a jar songs that don't usually have jams. And they're kind of taking the joke out of it, but keeping the method they're doing the yeah. thing that was a joke, but now it's not a joke. They're just doing it. And that's that stuck with me very well because it was a lot of fun. It's. I, mean, I think it's, it's so indicative of them being able to find a groove and get into a jam so quickly now that yeah. they can do it even in songs that are more highly composed or weren't big jam vehicles. You know, you. I feel like you would always expect it just in the songs that have big kind of have had historically big jams. And now you can hear a 555 with like a little jam on it, you know, like. And, you know, I just have to give it up for Jonathan because the whole time I'm thinking like, you know, I do like West LA Fade Away by the Grateful Dead because like you can put your windows down. It's like classic studio Grateful Dead. So seeing 555 through that lens, which Jonathan helped me see, really opened me up. And then, of course, they play like a jammed out one with this like mini jam that had this really, yeah, divine sound to it. It was really beautiful. It was I felt like Saturday actually had some incredible moments. And I think the whole second set from No Man's all the way through Simple was just really, really, really good fish. Yeah. For us being there, Simple was one of my highlights of, of this show for sure. And 
the way that it got super dark and spacey and weird, everyone on the floor in the dance party thought it was 2001. So we did this thing where we're like, box out everybody. Like when a song like Disease or like, you know, 2001 comes out, you kind of box out so you have more room. So you kind of like let everybody know around you, like we're gonna need some more space. Like this is a serious dance song. And so we were like, <laughs> it's 2001, like box out. And so we were kind of doing that. And then it felt very dramatic, the change to number line mm. Mm. in the moment there. Listening yeah. back, it doesn't sound as dramatic, but maybe that's because we were like, it sounded to us like Fisherman was playing 2001. And so we were all like, okay, it's 2001. And then when you hear it now, listening back, it sounds like they got pretty quiet before they went to number line. But in the moment, it felt pretty intense. And I love number line, but it was like, ooh. Yeah, I want to share with everybody a paraphrase of what I texted you guys yesterday when I was listening to the late set two, which was uh, how mad were people when they dropped into number line and how much fun did they have singing along and hugging their friends? Because I think that those two things (laughs) happen to the same people every time. Um, I, I think this show, I think this show is really good. It may be not quite to the level of Friday, but it's not fair to compare them because it's a different day. The sun is in a different place. The earth is in a different place. It's never been in that same position before and will never be again. And um, they play Olivia's pool properly. How cool is that? Jam 555. Ninth time ever. Good, Yeah, good gin. Amazing. Heavy rotation. I, I will say for those of us at home, the chatter on Twitter about heavy rotation was exceedingly negative. And I was just laughing and laughing for A, I like that song. And B, when it took the turn into the uh, the really kick-ass segment of the song, like I like the lyrics, but the, the latter part of the song is where it's at, right? Um, and people would just been ragging on and suddenly it's like, oh, this is really good. Um, yes, it is. It about broke it about broke the internet um being there because <laughs> nobody could oh, well, the it, service was really broke bad on the field. Yeah, everybody was like, what is this? Trying to figure it out. It was really funny. Well, and uh, what is it? Uh, Fish from the Road Twitter actually initially tweeted heavy things. Right. <laughs> they did. And, yeah, which is brilliant. Um, heavy they something. deleted it. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the second set is outstanding. And I, I noticed something ye- yesterday while listening back to No Men in No Man's Land. And something that I actually had noticed from the, the Friday night show, I, oh, I can't tell you what song it was. Trey's been doing this uh, this thing where he hits the uh, a long sustain and then loops that single note so that that continues to play and slowly fade over the course of minutes while he then resumes jamming with the band and they kind of jam around that tonal center. It's right at the beginning of the No Men Jam. Uh, you can go back and check it out. It's very cool to me. Um, but then also they've been, um, I've been thinking more about the like jazz droney jams they've been doing and you, they get into that in here as well, where, uh, a lot of people are shouting out things like a love Supreme, uh, when they get to the space, somebody, I think they did it. Um, I think they did it in Raleigh. I know they did it another time on the tour. Um, and it is, uh, one of my favorite and I don't, maybe newer spaces that they've been visiting lately, and it's well represented in the No Men. And then they jam in Tweezer. It's completely different. It's a mm-hmm. very upbeat, yeah. rhythmic jam, probably great fun for dancing. Loved um, that Tweezer. And, 
Yeah, I bet. And then yeah. the set your soul free is just rock peak jamming. And, you know, simple is is great, beautiful, but it's like spirals neatly. Like they get to that under pressure bit and it just kind of spirals yeah. into like weirdness yeah. out of that, which is so fun to listen to. You'll, you'll have a good time going back and listen to that on ear, ear, earphones. And, uh, and yeah, I like number line, so I was happy. And the last thought I have is on this Golgi thing is Trey, you know, he's playing this kind of like rebellion, kind of bolero-ish kind of thing on what would normally just be a straight build with a lot of, you know, fat mm-hmm. fanning or fast strumming and extends that build and the tension in that build so much more than, you know, we already did. I, I love it, and I, I hope he keeps exploring that, and they, they keep letting him explore it. I also think we'd be remiss about night two. I know we got night three to go, but if we did not, no one mentioned Moon Age Daydream, which was oh, an exclamation so cool. point on that first set. And so good. If backwards down the number line kind of deadened the energy that was building in the second set, Moon Age Daydream set us up. Uh, it, it was just... I love when fish plays classic rock. I could just say it that simply and everyone was fist pounding. Trey nailed the vocals that practice or whatever he's doing is paying off and he gets to show off a little bit in moon age daydream, but everyone was smiling. Everyone around me was just in the best mood ever. It was a great lead into set break. Yeah. Because everybody thought character zero was going to close the set. Yeah. Those sets were each like 90 minutes long. They're playing, they were playing long sets, which was like really exciting. Almost any song. Sorry, mm-hmm. almost any song after zero is gonna like You're surprising. Get a great response if it's if zero right. is in the late so- slot. So, exactly. And yeah, it was a good choice. It was a good choice, and Trey's been just head banging lately. I mean, I saw him a lot, like rocking out this weekend. Like that tweezer reprise. Like he was literally like just his hair just like flying. It was so fun to watch. I think it's interesting. Just as we like transition towards night three here. Um, just looking at these set lists, I think about the Meriwether weekend um, last weekend as we were recapping that. One of the big themes of that weekend was both of those shows, both Meriwether shows started incredibly strong. Like from the jump, the band was playing at a very high level, sustained throughout the first set and into the second set. And then I think collectively we all agreed that a lot of those, like both of those second sets in some cases felt like they fell off into we're just going to do a song followed by a song followed by a song. And there were some good moments in there, but I think overall, um, I think you really liked night one, Meg. I, I think we all agreed on night two that we, we felt like we kind of lost the narrative a little bit. Maybe I'm flipped on, on your, your likes there, but it seems like since blossom, they've taken a little bit more time setting the foundation of the show going into it to Jonathan's point about night one, if you start the show at sand from there, it's just like this perfect show. They kind of are allowing themselves the ability right now to set the table, set the foundation. Don't kind of blow people away right out the gates, but then the latter half of the first set and the entire second set feels of a complete piece. And I felt like that was really, really strong here with, with nights one and night two in Atlantic city, maybe a little bit more so on Friday night, but, both of them were constructed in a way that by the time they walked off the stage, I was just like, that was a killer fish show. Um, and I went back and immediately started re-listening once it was posted. Um, let's jump here to Sunday. 
Um, we've set the vibe. We've talked about where the band was at going into this. They come out Sunday, August 7th. One of the great dates in modern fish history. Just a big shout out to 8709, my favorite show of 2009. And 87 if you have not heard The Light from Greek Theater 2010, please, when this podcast is over, stop what you're doing and go and listen to That Light. It is one of my favorite all-time 3.0 jams. But they come out, they open up with Wolfmans, go into Tube, Mountains of the Mist, Ocelot, which fades into Fluffhead, Mercury, fades into Gumbo, and then that fades into Carini, which ends the set. Brian, you were in attendance. What was your big highlight of set one of Sunday, August 7th? Set one, I would split either between Tube, but I think it really has to be Carini. Uh, something about Carini, it sounded a little gnarlier than it has to me in recent years. And the jam was excellent. Um, I wrote in my notes, uh, there was is a short jam. It wasn't very long, but I wrote down in my notes as I was listening, is this a taste of what's to come in the second set? Kind of thinking back to what you were saying earlier, Brian, about it. Is it going to like loop back to Friday style of, of space and experimental jamming? It didn't. I thought that Sunday overall, showed a different side of Fish that, oh, right, they're also a great straight-ahead rock band, too, even though they had some amazing jams in the second set um, we'll get to. But they also just kind of showed off what they can do. They showed off their talent a bit without necessarily making improvisation the big centerpiece of set one. But Carini would have been my overall highlight. If I had to go back and pick one track from set one to listen to over and over again, that's it. You're muted, Brian, Brian. You are mute. I know how to do this. I promise. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I got a bunch of texts from people immediately after the Carini that it was like one of their favorite jams from the overall tour. And I was like, I looked back and I was like, I think it was just nine minutes, but like, mm-hmm. I don't, I also don't think you're wrong. Like they got whatever three or four minutes of jamming. They got so much accomplished in that time period they found a theme built on it peaked it and brought it right back to the carini theme which is just something that is is it's such a focus point of 4.0 fish where they could play a three-minute jam and it feels like it was 15 minutes it's just it's stunning megan what about you what was your big highlight yeah i mean i love the carini as well got somewhere super interesting right away like that space rock that they're doing now is just really really cool. But I also really liked the Ocelot. It was like bluesy, really peaky, perfect ending back into the song. Just, I felt like it was really nice. It's exciting to hear what they're doing with Ocelot these days. It's like becoming like a little mini jam vehicle. It's exciting. I also think for me, Gumbo is always worth the price of admission. That is one of my most favorite songs to dance to. It's just so funky and just swampy and you can get bend down low and like get down there. Even with the falsetto singing, I was okay with it. I mean, it's cool. I I think it's cool that he's trying new stuff, you know? But, like, musically, that version is awesome that they played last night. But I do think the falsetto singing was distracting for people. But I applaud Trey for trying new shit. I think it takes getting used to. I don't think it's – I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I don't think it – I think it takes getting used to because since I hadn't heard much of the tour at all – 
I didn't expect it even on night one when it was part of the harmonies. I forget which song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who's doing that? It can't be Fishman. But who's, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like Paige. And I don't see Mike singing. Like, who is doing that voice? But I didn't believe it was Trey either by process mm-hmm. of because that's not how Trey sings. You know, I thought at the time. Uh, but it's not falsetto. Like, he's not, he's not yeah. singing to himself in the car in a super high voice. He's putting the effort into mm-hmm. singing in a different register than we expect him to. And I think once it gets dialed in and he picks his spots, which I think is what he's doing this tour, he's finding yeah. out where it yeah. does work and where it Trying doesn't. Trying it out. Because yeah. there are parts where it doesn't. Uh, yeah. But I think he's kind of finding his strength, his strengths. Uh, when he did it at Strawberry Letter 23, was it at Merriweather Post, I think? He hit that note. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, my yeah. God. That's, that's like a real singer. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Trey has been, uh, and he talked about it around the uh, the acoustic record release earlier yeah. this year, right? Mm-hmm. He's been really, really working on his voice and his singing. And uh, I think he's accessing uh, his higher register. It's not falsetto. He's expanding yeah. his range. It's not perfect, uh, It's but it's pretty good. Uh, as compared to what he might have done 15 years ago trying to hit those notes. So um, I think, you know, people don't typically expand their vocal range at this age. So they don't, especially someone who doesn't is, is have really to, surprising. right? <laughs> yeah, like he well, doesn't yeah. have to. You know, he, he could sing these songs but, the exact same way he always has and people would love it. He so could, it's impressive. But uh, it's, it's hard. People, most people's range actually diminishes uh, as yeah. singers, like most singers, they lose their range. So he's he's doing great stuff. I think it's I think it works pretty well, um, and it will uh, dial in over time. So let the, Trey uh, Broadway. That's I awesome. think it, I, th- I think it speaks to something that we've all been talking about. And Jonathan, you and I dove into this on our Friday mid tour recap. That was that was excellent on on Friday. Um, you know, they're approaching their fortieth year. And one of the things that seems so fascinating to me about this year and last year, I think, goes along with it. But as we kind of wonder what next year will look like for the band, they seem to be making a conscious move to to re- reinvent their songs in in a sense, you know, to figure out what else is there. So you have Golgi that has this section that's always been played the exact same. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, actually, there's something more that we can do with this. We're going to talk about it, I'm guessing, in set two, because I think that a few of you will have this as your highlight. The Fish Song has a new segment to jam off of now. After 40 years, they figured out a new way to jam The Fish Song. Um, The Higher Register, all these sorts of things. I think the band is just figuring out, like, what else is there? A lot of these songs we've played the same way for 25, 30 years. But inherently, we are an experimental band who's also a rock band. How do we marry those two things a little bit more and figure out, you know, do we have 10, 15, 20 years left of this thing? Who knows? But let's figure out how to tinker and, and tweak this as much as possible. Um, Jonathan, before we jump into set break, what was your highlight of set one? Um, I think it's Ocelot, actually. Uh, our, our good friend and sometimes co-host RJ uh, texted or tweeted today about how Fluffhead was like the, uh, the I don't remember the term, you know, the big shot in the arm for the first set but i honestly mm-hmm. think it's ocelot uh they stretched it a little put a good jam in there and that really kind of opened the door to the fluffhead. um it should not go unmentioned that the wolfman's has a nice little jam in it too though that was Everything so else, good covered to dance to too. Yeah, show opener no less 
show opener. Yeah. First one since first like 2016. Yeah. yeah, long mm-hmm. time. It reminded me of the um, the show opener the first night of the April New Year's Eve run at the Garden, where Carini opened the whole run, and it also had a pretty nice extended jam in it, yeah. which was unexpected. And so when they open with Wolfman's Brother, which isn't super unusual to be in the first set at the beginning of a show, but that they did stretch it out a little. It's like, uh, like you said, Brian, they're not letting it be. They're not letting it settle and pulling it out. For me, the Wolfman's was a great surprise. It was really cool that we got that in that slot and we got a bit bit of a jam. For me, it was the tube. Um, Tube has been throughout 2021 was expanding and expanding and expanding. And then it seemed to be contracting a little bit here this summer where it was getting down to like six, seven minute versions with a cool little funk jam. Um, David Miller, great guest from great friend of the pod and great guest from our blossom recap said uh, the blossom version was a warm up. I think he's right. That was like mm-hmm. the, the moment where they rediscovered, Oh, actually this middle section of tube, there's stuff we can do with it. And, we got a 12 minute version out of it that went completely off the radar, um, off the charts. It was a really, really great spot for it. And then to follow that with mountains of the mist, a really cool ocelot. Um, I was, I was into this first set. It was a great, a little bit more muted than the first two nights. Didn't have like the big Sigma Oasis bathtub gym, Mm -hmm. but it had enough, I think to really, really dig it. Um, let's jump here really quickly into set break and our set break is brought to us by our friends at sunset lake megan would you be willing to tell us about i'm sure you've needed sunset lake throughout this weekend would you be willing to tell us about our friends at sunset lake yes i definitely have needed them and i'm going to continue to need them this week because this is a week of recovery for me so sunset lakes line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or for the young fish fan, anyone searching for a mellow body high, anybody recovering from a long weekend in Atlantic City, you can smoke CBD. It's got all the benefits of high THC cannabis, but it doesn't have any of the paranoid or anxious side effects. It's got They've got nine different strains from this year's harvest, so there's something for everyone. The Hawaiian Haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and Cherry Abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on their premium CBD flour because they ship directly from their farm to your door. And yes, these sleep gummies got me through this weekend because I was coming back to the room late at night after going to (laughs) after parties and my room had like a real serial killer vibe. So I definitely needed something to just like help me relax and go to sleep right away. So I was taking a lot of the um, Sunset Lake CBD melatonin sleep gummies. They are like heaven on earth. So please get some. You can check them out and all their products at sunsetlakecbd.com. If you use the coupon code HFPOD, you're going to get 20% off all your products. That's Sunset Lake CBD. Farmer owned and Vermont grown. Brian, just to focus on you for this, what was your big set break routine here during the AC run? How how did it all work being on a beach when the band would take a break? I did my best to convince myself I'm not that old (laughs) when my glutes and my legs and my lower back were telling me you have to sit down. You have to sit down. You're you're being destroyed. Your lower body is just gonna give out at, at any minute. Uh, and then I, but then my other suburban part of me was like, "Don't sit down. You're gonna get sand all over your pants." You, so, 
my set breaks were spend mired in anxiety, uh, trying to maybe I should use those CBD chews, uh, but trying to, yep. <laughs> trying to just really, but seriously though, um, just excitement. Uh, yes, stretching like the old man that I'm becoming, but excitement. Uh, there was plenty of room to walk around, which was super fun. Uh, it, like we mentioned, it was less crowded than normal. Uh, no lines for anything. Just a lot of this. How about that set one? That was awesome. Like very typical, excited, outdoor with beautiful weather, fish set break. Nothing, uh, nothing extraordinary, nothing boring. Just counting down the minutes till they came back on and making nice small chat with those around us. That's and it. Avoiding That's sand. it right there. And yeah. avoiding sand. That's it right then and there. I love it. Um, Megan, did you have anything outstanding that happened during set break? Well, I just want to say thank you to everybody that came up. We had a lot of amazing people coming up all weekend and during set break and pre-show just saying hi and saying they listened to the pod and just being really great and generous. And I just really appreciated that. So I want to say thank you to everybody that that came up and said hi. I got to meet the incredible perp. It was incredible. So um, thank you to everybody that, that came by and said hi. And I had a great time. Yeah, I was dancing on the platform because I do not dance on sand. So props <laughs> to you, Brian. So I, I don't just dance either. I just move my shoulders like this a little bit. There you <laughs> go. I'm probably like Brian. I feel like he and I have similar vibes. It's not a lot. It's, it's, it's a very uh, – I'll be feeling it the first moment they walk out on stage. There's a dance move that I do that is not a dance move but is as close Ooh. as I get to dancing that only happens at fish shows. Does it so. have a name, Brian? Nate, it's just like a very angular movement that only comes out once I hear fish. <laughs> I just, I, guess, I, 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 I turned into like a ninety degree angle and just kind of like bob back and forth. That's all I can do. To the Elaine um, dot gif. There's exactly. very, very much of that. <laughs> um, so the band comes out for the final set of the weekend. We get uh, our first standard Mike's groove in a long time since uh vegas 2021 everything since then has been kind of weird oh no sorry since um msg uh uh 2022 i was um i was talking with friends about mike's grooves and that like the last really stretched out one was vegas 2021 but we've had a lot of like unique micro mike's grooves throughout this tour because we had uh in the uh, spring tour. We had the set long Mike's groove that happened in Alabama in uh, great woods. We had weak pog the first night and then Mike's hydrogen the second night with no weak pog. We had some interesting stuff that happened uh, later in the tour, but this was our first standard Mike's groove since MSG followed that up with a wave of hope into you enjoy myself into Susie Greenberg. And I was quite shocked when after Susie, they said, we're going to See you guys later because it felt like it went by in a just like blink of an eye. Uh, then we encore with Waiting in the Velvet Sea appropriately and First Tube. Um, Megan, tell us what was your big highlight of the second set here? The You Enjoy Myself. I had my You Enjoy Myself hat yesterday. Just to be clear, I also wore the tweezer hat the night before. So I don't know. My hats have the calls apparently. But Did you I wear mean, a I had more a hat the night before that? I did. Wow. Oh, my called... God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I called everyone. My dog just got very excited. That is crazy, Brian. I forgot that. Okay, That's so crazy. clearly whatever hat I'm wearing at the show, you're going to hear that song. We have to get you a sea and sand hat. I need an Iculus yes. hat. Sea and sand. Albuquerque hat. Uh, life on Mars yeah. hat, please. 
<laughs> exactly. All right. Well, now I know what we're, you're, you're all getting for Christmas. Um, but no, this yam was amazing. It was just gorgeous, gorgeous middle section. Mike sounded incredible. I was hearing him all weekend. I didn't hate this vocal jam as much as I usually do. I just, I love how they're shorter. And there's something about anticipating that next second jam that just makes me happy about the vocal jam because I'm like, okay, this next second jam is coming. And that moment is so killer when they just all of a sudden like start picking up the instruments and just drop right back into just like some sick funk jam. So I just thought this this yam was really celebratory. Felt felt great. It's great. We have to just note that the incredible perp, a, a dedicated viewer and listener, has pointed out that while we're talking about hats, it's yes. not characteristically hatless day for me today. So it is. Uh, it's a very it's strange that new haircut. Look. Here. It's a new, yeah, yeah. Just, just styled it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that yam was something else. And I, you know, my my big thought as it was happening was um, they go into the vocal jam. Trey doesn't take his guitar off, and it's like. I don't know, 45, 60 seconds of them in the vocal jam before he starts playing music. My first thought was like, are they not going to do it anymore? But I really loved how they got into the vocal jam and he didn't go with the first, okay, this is a groove. I can just play some funk chords and we can go. They got to a really weird segment of music. And it was the kind of thing that can kind of only come out of a vocal jam. And it almost felt like he was saying, if we're going to do this in this segment of the song, we're going to challenge ourselves. And we're going to actually try to play music that's a little bit more challenging at this point in time. And it led to a really cool second jam. Um, Brian, you being there as well, what was your big highlight of uh, set two? It's that section of A Wave of Hope and You Enjoy Myself, which, by the way, when I've heard people call this the summer of segues, this was a true arrow with a line in it. If you remember those J card arguments uh, from years ago, <laughs> what's just a carrot and which is a full arrow. This one is a full arrow. It's really great. Uh, I thought this is based on what I said earlier about how night three, I thought was just going to be like the big rock show of the weekend where nights one and two were kind of a big exploratory improvisation. Night three is just straight ahead. Great arena rock fish. I was thinking that up until a wave of hope and then a wave of hope into you enjoy myself. I can't separate them. They're one big chunk. And then I hadn't heard the newer version of you enjoy myself yet. That last mm -hmm. night was the first time I heard it uh, live. And I was just blown away because like you said earlier in the show that they've been taking these old, old songs, Golgi apparatus, one of the oldest fish songs. Do you enjoy myself? How can we, add to them, change them, make, keep them interesting for us. And as a listener, it's keeping it interesting for me. It's, it can't get better than that. It was like being on the front of a locomotive. It really was. And it's wild to me that we have a very, very new song paired with a very, very old song, like the fish song. I love when they do stuff like this, where you, a wave of hope is this like, it's this new message for where fish is. And it's this song that's just able to be jammed and explored with, with, without any sort of uh, there's nothing holding it back. It's just like going and it's going effortlessly. And then for that to go into you enjoy myself, it's just such a fantastic segment of music. Jonathan, how about you? Are you, did you, was there something else that hit you or was that it? I mean, it's a wave of hope. That's the jams in that get heavy and weird. And I'm there for heavy and weird. I like the pretty stuff too. So I am thrilled that they played a proper 
total mics tonight or last night rather um i am hydrogen is something that they should always play after mike's song at some point um and so they did it and uh, that makes me happy as well so but yeah we well, is, is where i'm at wave of hope is it for me um I just walked away from this weekend thinking, you know, if you go back to Friday, Sigma Oasis, Soul Planet, Ruby Waves, A Wave of Hope, these new songs for the band, relatively new. If you go back to 2016, 20, early 2017, Fish, these are four songs that you have no idea what they mean, what they sound like, and they are now the defining tent poles of Fish tours. But intermixed with that is an incredible down with disease on Friday, an incredible tweezer on Saturday and an incredible you enjoy myself on Sunday. So as this band is changing, as they're evolving, as they're writing new songs and letting those new songs speak for them, still there are these old war horses that have been there for them forever. The second they go into down with disease, you know, you're going off somewhere tweezer the same way you enjoy myself, a song that has been revitalized in this era fish in a way that I don't think anybody thought it would. Um, I was texting with a friend like I loved every Yem I've ever heard. Yem is one of those songs I will never complain about hearing. But I think that there is an argument to be built that like the band seemed slightly bored playing the song between 2012 and 2021. There weren't very standout versions. It was a very standard uh, approach to the jam segment. There were a lot of years where they play it only one or two times during a tour, usually in like a, you know, a sentimental spot like encoring uh, at Magna Ball. Um, but it wasn't really a song that they were relying on the way that they were still relying on tweezer, still relying on disease. Now it's being played like once every four shows and they're playing it midway through set one or midway through set two in a way that really showcases like this is now a jam vehicle again. And this is an area of creativity and that combined with these new songs, it's just, it fascinates stuff. Brian, I have a quick comment, which is to say with the first part of what you were saying, we were talking about we have all this infusion of new content and then the old war horses. Some of those are seeming revitalized. It seems almost like you're talking about the audience at fish shows, too, uh, because some of us are still out there. Some of us feeling better than others. Uh, and then we, there's constant infusion of new fans, young fans who are picking it up and carrying it forward as well. Um, and so it's nice to see the material reflecting that. It's I love that, Jonathan. Yeah. It's a good sentiment true. to close on. Um, so before we go, the last thing that we need to do, Brian, imagine it is 2027. You are sitting around having a conversation with friends. They're asking about great sets, great runs, great shows you've been to. You went to the Atlantic City run, and you want to tell them what was the lasting moment. What is the thing you need to go back to and listen to in this segment? The lasting highlight of the show, lasting highlight of the run, is brought to us from our friends at Fans for Racial Equity, free, which seeks to build an anti-racist live music scene and promote liberation through racial equity in the world at large by activating the collective power of our community. By facilitating thoughtful engagement around race and its intersection with other issues, free empowers fans to challenge discrimination and systemic oppression wherever they see it. To get involved in free's education, outreach, and community process, community partnership programs, sign up to volunteer at fansforracialequity.org. You can see that on the screen, or you can share in the groove at the free table during a show. They will be at every venue for the rest of Fish's summer tour. So Brian, what was your lasting highlight of this overall run? If I had to 
dig and bury a time capsule of just this weekend and I had limited time to do it, I would tell my grandchildren, listen to set two from Friday night straight through all the time. And then on the B side, because in the future we're going back to Max L tapes uh, on the B side, put Sigma Oasis as the filler for the end of the, for the end of the tape. So that is what I thought that was my favorite. It played to my sensibilities for why I like to go see fish live. That's it. Meg, what do you got? I think that's just perfect. I think what people really want to remember or what I want people to remember about this time is this way that they're finding melodies so quickly in jams and then deconstructing them and Mm -hmm. adding in all of these like space elements. And there's just a lot of like dystopian sounds and warping of melodies. And I think that that's really fascinating. And so, yeah, I think that set you from night one and that Sigma is just really, it just, maybe that whole show is that too much to ask? Maybe that whole show. Friday. We only have room for one tape, Megan. Oh yeah. Okay, so set two. I'm I'm gonna make this three for three. This is gonna be very, very simple. I think there's incredible stuff to check out, as we've all said on Saturday and Sunday. But uh to me, it is exactly as Brian listed. Saturday set two, give me that on a tape, flip it over. And you got a Sigma Oasis. That's that's it. That is a segment I'm going to be listening to because there's no way to pick just one part out of that set. And that to me is, I said it at the top, I think it's one of the greatest second sets the band has ever played. Um, not putting any numbers on it. I don't know if it's top 75, top 150, top 300. I don't know. I'm sure if you listed out the greatest second sets this band has ever played, you're getting very, very close to at least 250, like just pure great second sets. It's one of the best things that this band does is when they lock in mm-hmm. for a 90 minute chunk of music, when it's all dark and there's improvisation and cool transitions and great song selections. And that happened on Friday. That is it for me. So, um, that is, that is my lasting highlight. Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for what you do on your show. Once again, you can find Brian at the attendance bias podcast, subscribe, listen, give him a like, Give him a rate. Give him a review. Five-star rating, please, because it's an excellent podcast. Megan and I have both been on it. If you have never checked it out before, those are potentially good ways to dive in. But there's a ton of great guests and great topics. Brian does an incredible job with the show. Um, Thank you so much for hanging with us, man. Thank you for having me. I love doing this, obviously. I love talking fish. And to do it with so many different people about a show that just happened while everything's still fresh and fun. And it's not just looking back and having the memories of listening to a show, which tends to happen mm-hmm. when you talk about something that happened a long time ago. Uh, it's, it's a truly a joy. I would also add that anyone who's listening that would like to be on attendance bias, if you have a great story or a meaningful event or something that happened to you that you feel like you want to talk about at a show, just email me attendance bias at Gmail, one word attendance bias at gmail.com. Um, we'll talk about it, but thank you so much for having me at the best time. I could do it again over and over. Thanks, Brian. And also just thanks for being such an awesome and nice guy. I've loved getting to know you and seeing you at shows. So cheers back at you. Awesome. We'll talk with you soon, man. We'll have you back on here. Sounds good. All right, dude, rest up, take care. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Thank you.
All right. And one last thing before we go here, we just want to tell you to tune into our friends over at Wook Plus for more great content. The Lot is going live pre-show on Wednesday for the Toronto show, as well as um, they'll be go, they'll be doing the Lot throughout the remainder of this summer tour, even though the band will not be playing. They will also be doing the Afterfish after show, which goes live 15 minutes post-show. You can watch both of those on Twitter at Wook Plus and on YouTube if you search Wook Plus. Great stuff from great dudes. Um, shout out to everyone here with Toronto predictions. Maybe they get a <laughs> grup. Maybe they get a squirming coil opener. Maybe they get a Caspian Encore that's got a cool Magna Ball type of jam. Incredible Perp says they will not get, they most likely will not get a first set closing. You enjoy myself, although they've done it three times up there. And mm. Past guest for the Jones Beach run, Mr. Elliot Chigger, will be in Toronto. So if you see him, say hey. Awesome dude. Really great to have him on the podcast. Um, Very, very good vibes. Um, We will be back. We've got an interesting schedule coming up here as we're moving through the final parts of summer tour. So we'll be back on Wednesday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern for an HF Pod Live non-touring edition. RJ and Megan, I think Jonathan will be diving into eight nine ninety seven from Alpine Valley, which is an incredible show. Kind of prepare us for the Alpine Valley run, and then we'll be back on Thursday, Thursday morning at one or Thursday afternoon one p.m. Eastern for a recap of the Toronto show. We will have Scotty King as well as Malcolm Howard of Free on the show at that point in time. And then we'll be back all weekend to recap the Alpine Valley shows. My first shows of summer 2022. uh, My first shows since LA 2021. I'm very excited. We'll have Scott Marks on for a few of those shows as we wrap up Fish's main touring leg of the summer 2022 tour before they do the Dix run. Uh, Anything else, Meg? Are we good? I think we're good. I think we did it. Thank you all for hanging with us. Brian, thank you so much for hanging with us. Megan, thank you so much for recuperating and giving us your thoughts. This was a ton of fun. We'll be back on Wednesday at 4.30 to talk into, talk about, I can't speak at the end of a podcast, talk about the Alpine Valley from 1997 show. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Bye, everyone. Osiris. 
When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. 